The books tell that the last demon to leave this reality fed off a human, mixed their blood. He was a, a human form possessed, infected by the demon's soul. He bit another and another, and so they walked the earth, feeding, killing some, mixing their blood with others to make more of their kind. Waiting for the animals to die out and the old ones to return. Previously on Caustic Soda. No, it's got just the one proboscis, and you like stick it into pedestrians. Oh, like, I see. That's how it runs. <laughs> it runs on blood. It runs on blood, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> myths. I think myths. <laughs> these are just well, vampire myths. myths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. None of these affect real vampires. Yeah. Well, groans were reported to escape the vampire's mouth when the chest was either pushed on or staked. Groans. I see. Probably someone like that. Yeah. And now, the conclusion. In the news. So I got a story from 2007 Guyana. Oh. And uh, after I read the story, I'm going to demand an apology. From Joe. Uh, no, from you and a retroactive win in the pop quiz section. I'll just give it to you now. You win. Uh-huh. Here's your prize. A win? By, by getting uh. one thing right? <laughs> yeah, but I was so right. A woman was beaten to death in a small village in eastern Guyana because villagers believed she was an evil spirit similar to a vampire which sucks the blood of people. Okay. Villagers told Caribbean Net News that the woman appeared to be a dark ball with an occasional flicker of fire, traits associated with an old hugue, as told in Guyanese folklore. Sorry, a what? Old hugue. Spell that for Hig? me. Well, it's a, it's a French colony, so I'm going to go with, with uh, like kind of a Cajun pronunciation. Uh, it's a H I G U E. Hig. An O O O L? O L E. O Ole. Ah, Ole Hig. Okay. According to the folklore, the old Hig lives during the day amongst other villagers, but at night, the seemingly harmless old woman removes her skin, places it gently in a calabash, and travels across the sky as a ball of fire. What's a calabash? Uh, it's something that you bash cows with. Oh. Mm hmm. Okay. Calabash. Uh, calabash is a plant. It's a gourd. It's a gourd. All right. Mm-hmm. Good. To enter the home of her intended victim, she shrinks herself and enters through the keyhole. Oh, yeah. According to a police statement, officers found the woman's body, which bore marks of violence, and near to it a quantity of rice, a broom, and three pieces of wood. It is believed that the easiest way to catch an old heeg is to spill rice grains on the floor in front of your door. As the old heeg enters the house, she will be compelled to count every rice... Every rice grain, as the old heeg enters the house, she'll be compelled to count every rice grain. Oh, so like, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely got to count. Definitely got (laughs) to count all these rice grains. Rain vampire. It should be all rain vampire, correct. When the homeowner wakes the next morning, they will find the tired old heeg still counting rice. And according to the folklore at this point, she must be beaten to death with a broom. Okay. So they found rice and broom and pieces of wood near her beaten to death body. Right. So they suspect... But they didn't catch the guy? They suspect that she was an old heek. Oh, God. Okay. So, so this should be in the real life vampire section. Obviously, she was an old heek. Right. Because the rice and the broom right. meant that they succeeded okay. in stopping her rampage. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So this is the Luguru. Yes, precisely. Except in Guyana, which well, where is where I said I thought she was from. All right. Oh, I will give that to you. Mm-hmm. But I need to know where Guyana is. It's in Central America. Okay. Near the Dominica? Well, you know, as near to the Caribbean as you can be. 
as near to the Caribbean so as you can It's in South America, be. actually. South America, sorry. All right. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Apology accepted. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's as good as it's going to get from this guy. Culturally, Guyana is part of the Anglophone Caribbean. Hmm. So it, uh, it does. There you go. Kind of, yeah. Caribbean ties. 2008 Rome. An archaeological dig near Venice has unearthed the 16th century remains of a woman with a brick stuck between her jaws. Okay. Evidence experts say that she was believed to be a vampire. Or just wouldn't shut up. She's a brick. Mouth. mouth. Oh, she's mighty, mighty. <laughs> she won't shut up her mouth. She's a brick. Mouth. mouth. The unusual burial is thought to be the result of an ancient vampire slaying ritual. It suggests the legend of the mythological blood-sucking creatures was tied to medieval ignorance of how diseases spread and what happens to bodies after death. The well-preserved skeleton was found on Lazaretto Nuovo Island, amid other corpses buried in a mass grave during an epidemic of plague that hit Venice in 1576. So they figured that it was vampires that was causing the plague? Vampires don't exist. But studies show people... Oh, I'll do this in my cold voice. Vampires don't exist. But studies show people at the time believe they did, said Matteo Barini, a forensic archaeologist and anthropologist. Mm -hmm. Medieval texts show the belief in vampires was fueled by the disturbing appearance of decomposing bodies. During epidemics, mass graves were often reopened to bury fresh corpses, and diggers would chance upon older bodies that were bloated, with blood seeping out of their mouth, and with an inexplicable hole in the shroud used to cover their face. Mm -hmm. The characters are all tied to the decomposition of bodies, but they saw a fat dead person full of blood and with a hole in the shroud, so they would say, this guy is alive, he's drinking blood and eating a shroud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Modern forensic science shows the bloating is caused by a buildup of gases, while fluid seeping from the mouth is pushed up by decomposing organs. The shroud would have been consumed by bacteria, Found in the mouth area. It's uh -huh. all lies put forth by Big Vampire. That I've never seen this happen, therefore it doesn't happen. It's all part of their clever ruse. At the time, what passed for scientific texts taught that shroud eaters were vampires who fed on the cloth and cast a spell that would spread the plague in order to increase their ranks. Mm -hmm. mm, shroud eaters. To kill the undead creatures, a stone or brick had to be forced into the vampire's mouth so it would starve to death. Okay. Okay. That's what is believed to have happened to the woman found in the Lazaretto Island, which was used as a quarantine zone by Venice. Aged around 60, she died of the plague during the epidemic that also claimed the life of the painter Titian. Mm. Or Titian, <laughs> if you prefer the actual <laughs> pronunciation. Much later, someone jammed the brick into her mouth when the grave was reopened. Marks and bricks left by blunt instruments on more than 100 skeletons found by the archaeologist show that the grave was reused in a later epidemic. What's the irony of that? Like, if you're sitting there and bludgeoning all these dead and partially decomposed bodies that, uh, you know, you might actually do yourself more harm than good. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of, like, rotting flesh flying around. Yeah. Maybe catch a little bit of it in your mouth or at whatnot. A, at a time when bacteria was unknown, such superstitions were a way for the terrified population to explain the waves of plague epidemics that killed millions during the Middle Ages. Jews were also often accused of spreading the disease because, you know, Jews. Yeah. Well, what else can't they do? The discovery shows that vampires in popular culture were originally quite different from the elegant aristocratic blood drinkers depicted in Bram Stoker's novel Dracula and in countless Hollywood revisitations. Yeah, they were the kind of people that, you know, a brick in your mouth would do you in. 
I guess these vampires didn't. If you're starving to death in your grave because you have a brick in your mouth, I guess you're not actually moving your body. It's yeah. all just kind of coming out and being magic. Well, no, and it was also, they, these were in mass graves, so maybe they just figured they were chewing on the other bodies that were lying around them. Oh, maybe that too. Mm-hmm. Right? Just That's like, not so bad. Who cares about that, though? Yeah, just an opportunistic thing. They might have figured they just had a big proboscis that came out because it's just a hole in their shroud, right? Yeah. So maybe right. the, the thing comes out, snakes down, grabs another body, starts drinking the blood. Yeah, you sit there and you, you just like stick your ear against the mass grave and if you hear nom, 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 yeah. nom, you know there are vampires inside. Yeah. It's not worms. October 2013, Scotland. Alan Menzies, 22, is accused of murdering Thomas McKendrick, 21. On the 11th of December, 2012, Menzies said he never stopped playing a video of the vampire film Queen of the Damned. Oh. After Mr. McKendrick had loaned him the copy in August of last year, the character Akasha, played by Aaliyah, the singer, was the Queen of the Damned, and she appeared before him and spoke to him. It ended up that I agreed with her. I would murder people and be rewarded in the next life. I would be made immortal a vampire, says Menzies. He claimed Mr. McKendrick made an insulting sexual comment about Akasha when the two men were in the kitchen of the home. Akasha was standing there, Menzies claims, but said nothing. It was the look on her face. Oh, this guy's Scottish. I should be doing my Scottish accent, shouldn't I? Can you do one of those? I I can only try, Joe. It was the look on her face. She was not pleased. Then she turned her back on me. I thought it was because Thomas had insulted her and I let him get away with it. Now say, ach. Menzies told the jury that he attacked Mr. McKendrick with a bowie knife, a kitchen knife, and a hammer. So obviously he has three hands. Okay. Mm-hmm. He could have had one in his mouth. <laughs> or he maybe had pressed no, no, toes. Because there's no, then there's no biting and sucking oh. of the blood. Maybe he had the bowie knife and the kitchen knife in one hand kind of trying to do a Wolverine kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, he does Who like, hasn't done that before? Taking all your tools out of your toolbox and try to put them between your fingers so you, oh, can, yeah. be, so you can be like Edward Hammerhands. <laughs> well, he does like the movie Queen of the Damned, so he probably loved the first Wolverine movie, too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same quality. Because they both sucked, yeah. At the end of the day, I knew I would have to murder somebody anyway, so if you did not murder somebody, you could not become a vampire. He described drinking two cups of Mr. McKendrick's blood and eating a fragment of his skull. Well, at least he, you know, he used cutlery. Mm-hmm. Well, he used the dishes. He didn't just. How easy is it to eat a fragment of skull? I mean, it must be like just yeah. like chewing any other thick bone, right? Yeah, I think, I just, I think you just kind of put it in the mouth and just suck on it all day like a gobstopper. Yeah. Oh, really? I think so. I wear down eventually. Wear down. It's like chewing on ice, kind of, but it just takes longer. Yeah. A, uh, a drop of water can erode an entire cliff. That's what I heard. Mm -hmm. I looked in the mirror to make sure my teeth were covered with his blood. Menzies said he now believed. Spot, (laughs) better drink some more. Precisely, Menzies said he now believed he was a vampire and had and had achieved immortality. Akasha, Hmm. in fact, had continued to visit him since the killing and has told him to do it again. That's what we vampires do. Uh, Menzies had attempted suicide after the killing, but when asked about it, he claimed it was to get to the next life quicker, because that's when I will be rewarded. Oh, okay. So he firmly believes he's a vampire. Cuckoo. Who's to tell him any different? Man, that is full on, like, non-raving crazy person. Like, he's just like, yep, I'm a vampire and I'm going to eat him, and this makes me I'll tell you what, though. That's so weird. Worst roommate ever. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think to myself... 
I used to have Swift. roommates who wouldn't wash the dishes, you know, who would like use a toaster and leave like a mountain of crumbs on the counter, right? Wait, you know? wait, wait a minute. I never lived with you. <laughs> 2012 Bulgaria. Archaeologists in Bulgaria have unearthed two skeletons from the Middle Ages pierced through the chest with iron rods to keep them from turning into the undead. They are the latest in a succession of finds across Western and Central Europe, which shed new light on just how seriously people took the threat of vampires and how those beliefs transformed into the modern myth. Mm -hmm. The two skeletons, believed to be around 800 years old, were discovered during an archaeological dig near a monastery in the Bulgarian Black Sea town of Sozopol. Mm -hmm. These two skeletons stabbed with rods illustrate a practice which was common in some bulb. Bulgarian, barbarian, Bulgarian villages up until the first decade of the 20th century. Now, the name of this town is Sozopol? So S-O-Z-O-P-O-L. Sozopol. Sozopol. It can't be a coincidence that they used poles to kill their vampires. Oh, yeah. I think it can. Maybe they have really- Because they have exactly the same word for pole (laughs) as we do. Ooh. In Bulgaria. Or maybe they... I, it cannot be a coincidence that in Chilliwack, they whacked those vampires. <laughs> they probably have really great exotic dancers as well. Oh, so the pole dancers? Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to pagan beliefs, people who were considered bad mm-hmm. during their lifetime yeah. might turn into vampires after death unless stabbed in the chest with an iron or wooden rod before being buried. Oh, so this is like the dickishness award. Yeah. This is, you know... Oh, everybody hated that guy. Let's stab him in the chest. This sounds very cathartic. This sounds like mm-hmm. like group therapy, really. <laughs> I hated that guy. Let's go stick a, an iron rod, rod in through his, his chest. chest. Yeah, be a good time. People believe the rod would also pin them down in their graves to prevent them from leaving at midnight and terrorizing the living. Uh huh. Over 100 buried people whose corpses were stabbed have been discovered across Bulgaria over the years. Mm. A lot of assholes in the region. Yeah. Well, at least 100. Mm-hmm. Pop culture. All right. I, uh, I'm i going to put it on the record, and I think I've done this in the past, mm. that I am a fan of vampire films. I don't know what mm. it is about them that appeal to me, kind of the parasitic nature of it and you know, uh, uh, a lot of the themes. Now, again, we talked about in the Vlad the Impaler episode, mm-hmm. both Draculas, yep. Nosferatu, yep. Shadow the Vampire, mm-hmm. and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Yep. So- Skipping all those Got right us. off the bat. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Vampire movie and pop culture word association. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> so I like this. New segment. Uh, Rorschach. Yes, that's right. So it doesn't have to be just one word. Just your first impression. Oh, okay. okay. That way we can get through a long list of vampire movies we don't want to talk about. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh-huh. and, and this way nobody can say, I can't believe you didn't mention. They will. They will. <laughs> they don't worry. They will. <laughs> Ravenloft. Dungeons and Dragons, uh, a Dracula-like bad guy uh, as the head of the thing, I think. No, it's a Belfry where they keep ravens. Oh. Vampire the Masquerade. Oh. Uh, Nerds. White Wolf role-playing game, clans of vampires with varying powers and stuff, the Camarilla, the Sabbat. You of course played, it's. You've played this. Briefly, yeah. I've, I've, it's mostly a game that I've just read a ton of the books for and then never had friends who wanted to play. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. I had Cor- friends. <laughs> but none who ever wanted to play. They just didn't want to play. Isn't, isn't that the game that those weird goth people play? Yeah, I yeah no, but of, it's fun. I think of corsets and uh, velvet hats. That too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also played Vampire the Masquerade once or twice. Mm-hmm. I was a Nosferatu, by the way, because they're the coolest ones, because they <laughs> looked most horrible. Yeah. 
The rat teeth. When I ran Vampire the Masquerade for my friends, I had to almost fool them into it. So what I did was I invented a little uh, computer program that uh-huh. would ask them quizzes to help generate what their character would be because I didn't want them to know that we were going to be playing Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> oh, you bastard. So this was, it was so much fun because uh, my friend Jim, I ran this through and it worked wonderfully. Uh, he ended up basically making a human who was a doctor, worked in an emergency room late at night, and we, I ran him through a little solo adventure and he had no idea what was going on. This guy came in, he'd been attacked by a vampire, the vampire hunter had saved him, and the vampire itself was there watching, and it, and he saved the life of him and prevented the vampirism, and then Jim got grabbed by the, the vampire itself and turned, and there was nothing he could do because this had to happen because he was going to be role-playing a vampire, and... He was so uncomfortable throughout the entire scene of this vampire turning him into a vampire because it's this guy draining his blood and Jim's like, I'm going to die. What's going on? He didn't know what was going on. And then finally I revealed to him that, you know, he was now a vampire and had to do this. Now you have to play Vampire the Masquerade. And explained, here's what we're playing. It was so much fun. I creeped the shit out of him. (laughs) All right. I tell you, that story creeps the shit out of me. Yeah, Yeah, a little bit. Me too. Mm -hmm. True Blood. Oh, uh, bad. Yeah. First season was fun, and after that, bleh. No, first season wasn't even fun. Stinks. It, it, first season was a guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. I'm going to say. From dusk till dawn. Love it. Uh, I love the first half. Oh, yes. I From dusk till dawn, one is, uh, yeah, I would agree with you. The second half kind of goes crazy, but it's totally worth watching. From dusk till dawn, which one was it now? Two, there were a couple of sequels. Never saw them. One of them was actually really good. Oh, uh, really? It was a sequel that was kind of a prequel. Uh, so it was set b- before that group showed up. And I think it was like back in cowboy ages. Man, okay. I, I have no memory now of what went on except going, oh, that was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Forever Night. Uh, don't know it. Was that a Canadian TV series? I believe was so. Our listener Pauline was. said it was like it's like a precursor to Angel. Yeah, I think I remember it being on, but I never watched it. Blood ties. Uh, shot in Vancouver. I know a bunch of people who worked on it. Danny Trejo uh, did a guest spot. Oh. Mm-hmm. Henry Fitzroy is a vampire who carries his own crucifix, as he is a believer too in this series. Oh, well, okay. if I was a vampire, I might start believing as well, because there's some magic going on, and right. if crucifixes, you know, keep me away, then mm-hmm. why? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Kindred the embraced. Never heard of it. That was the Vampire the Masquerade television show that should have been good and was not. Vampire's Kiss. Don't know. Oh, uh, sounds like the (laughs) a goth lesbian love triangle. Blackula. Black exploitation vampire movie. I don't. I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. Vanicula. 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 Is that a a rabbit vampire movie? Yes. Oh. I don't think it's a movie. I think it's just a book. Oh, okay. I believe it's a kid's book. It sounds awesome. Vampiros Lesbos. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like my vampire lesbian love that, triangle. That sounds like a vamp exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. From 1971. Innocent Blood. Don't know it. 1992 John Landis. Don't know it? No. Nope. Ultraviolet BBC TV series. Nope. Has a... a, a Ultraviolet is the name of the TV series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. I like the name for a vampire movie yeah. or a vampire show because yeah, ultraviolet sunlight mm-hmm. sets, stuff like that. I uh, now I'm interested. I'd my, like to see. I'd have been a little more interested if the title had been ultraviolet. Mm. My friend John Tynes says brilliant, chilling, horrible of that. Okay, ultraviolet. I like two of those words. 1983's The Hunger. It's one of those ones that I've never seen in its entirety, which is a, a major oversight um, for you or the movie for me okay 
with David Bowie and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, I've, I've wanted to see it for ages. 1998, John Carpenter's Vampires. Mm. Awful. Awful. Yeah, James think... Woods at his scene-chewing oh. worst. Never seen it, but yeah, I think oh. I know. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. It's almost as bad as Dracula 2000. Fright Night. Original or remake? Either. Oh, the original was all right. I never saw the remake. The remake has David Tennant, right? Uh, no, the original has Col- uh, Colin no, no, the, Farrell. The, oh, does oh, sorry, no, the remake has Colin Farrell. Uh, Gavin, who we all know mm-hmm. from our many entomology episodes. Gavin Pitts, Gavin a regular Pitts. guest it, spurt. It his... also has David Tennant. I just double checked. Oh, there you go. Oh, it's his go. favorite. Scary, brilliantly acted, and rollicking fun. Yeah. If you trust Gavin's taste in movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I do. I think there was a lot of shirtless dudes. Vampir- a lot of shirtless dudes, which we know Gavin is a big fan of. Speaking of shirtlessness, Vampirella. Uh, the comic. Yeah. Uh, Booby. How come there hasn't been a Vampirella movie yet? That's my question. Uh, hasn't there? There was a Stripperella ca- cartoon. <laughs> Vampirella, straight to video, 1996. Okay, there you go. Right on. Starring <laughs> Talisa what? Soto. Why does the movie poster Daltrey. only have her face? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Vampire Hunter D. We talked about briefly as a dampier. No one's seen this besides me? Uh, I've seen some of the comics. I think I saw it like ages and ages ago and hated it. I meant to watch the original and watch the um, second one that came out. Oh, okay. okay. And it didn't make a lot of sense, but it was nice to look at. Okay. Mm. And Vampire Hunter D, for some reason, I don't know why, he has a talking face in his hand. Oh, okay. So it's kind of interesting because it has like commentary. Mm-hmm. As, oh. as you can kind of understand what's going on a little bit more. Got it. His hand, he must have a lot of fun with himself. Out of that, or he invented the term talk to the hand. Mm. Daybreakers. Uh, I liked it. Christian Slater. Christian Slater? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. I always get those two confused. <laughs> and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Marceline the Vampire Queen. Love her. Love her. <laughs> Adventure Time, Marceline Vampire Queen. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, she is half demon and the Vampire Queen at the same time, so she's totally evil, but uh, tends to do some pretty good stuff. Oh, yeah. And a uh, wonderful character plays her bass and uh, has had possibly some romantic past with Princess Bubblegum. Oh, whoa. lots of lesbian love stories in this little rundown. Morbius, the living vampire. That would be Marvel's terrible vampire character, I think. That is correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Oh, this is John Candy on SCTV, right? No, 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 no. What am I thinking of? You're thinking of Doctor Tongue's of 3D House of Horrors. No, but he did. He did a vampire thing, didn't he? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's House of Frankenstein is one of those Canadian TV shows that a lot of people in America watch. Okay. Oh. And um, oh god, I can't remember the guy's name, but he played like a character in every different segment. Billy Van. Billy Van is correct. Yeah. And it also had the Wolf Man. I'm the. I am the Wolf Man. Oh. <laughs> and he would. They would listen to music. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? Psychedelic background. SCTV did a takeoff on this. Maybe that's right? what happened. With uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who played the station chief. He played that like that uh, Dracula character. And he'd be like, oh, uh, and he'd sit there and, and do the little like, oh, and then. <laughs> Mike is yelling at you from behind the, the soundproof window. Count Floyd. Count Floyd. There we go. Was a, uh, was that, obviously- sh- that should be on the list. Count Floyd was obviously a lampoon of the House of Frightenstein guy. I wouldn't actually be able to tell you which came first. And more importantly, nobody cares. <laughs> True enough. Life Force. Uh, don't know it. 
don't know Life Force. I don't know Life Force. Oh, my notes are boobies and Patrick Stewart. What else do you need to know? Life Force. Does this actually have actual vampires in it? There were more of these psychic vampires from outer space. Oh, well, you should still watch it. I don't know. Because boobies and Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I'm a little less hot on it now. I Am Legend, the original uh, story. Uh, well, I mean, I've I've read the uh, graphic novel. Okay. Um, is that what we're referring to? Or? Yeah, so kind of like vampire yes. zombies. Yes. Zombie vampires. Yes, but they do, uh, unlike the Will Smith remake, they do talk and converse and yes. you know, yes. negotiate yes. and whatnot. Mm. So uh, it leads more to you down the vampire path than the zombie path. Vampire Diaries. Uh, they have very attractive ladies in that TV show. I have I have flipped past once or twice and gone, what the is going on with all these women in their underwear? And then it turns out it's Vampire Diaries. Buffy, and, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Love it. I, I can talk forever on Buffy. Well, not well all I need to know is why do the vampires disintegrate when they're staked? Joss Whedon had the vampires explode into dust even when they're freshly dead because it's practical. It represents their monsters. And he didn't want a high school girl killing bad guys every episode and then have them clean up bodies for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That, and he that also, would have been the part that I would have enjoyed. <laughs> at, at, at the end of it, he also said, also, it looks really cool. All right. Uh, so that's why. And what's the deal with the evil forehead? I'm sure I've asked you this before. Well, when they, when they, when they, when they're, fa- I understand when their fangs come out. You know, normally they look normal. They're mm-hmm. normal people, but then when they go to attack you, their fangs get big. But yeah. why also do they have the scrunchy forehead makeup? So, thing? Uh, vampires in the Buffy verse are actually human-demon hybrids. They're not full demons. They're not just humans. They they are humans who've been. Uh, brought near to death and then fed vampiric blood, which allows a vamp- uh, a, a, a base vampire demon from the wherever the demons are all from, some other dimension, to take control of the body. So, so the demon seed is in the blood. Uh, I don't. They, they don't go into the details on exactly how like how that gets in there, but yeah, you have to be very commonly uh, just like a lot of other stories. You have to be drained almost to your de- to death, and then okay. fed blood by that vampire, and then you will die. So if you and then r- rise from the grave as a, as a fresh vampire. So if you're just bitten by a vampire, you don't turn. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. You'll just bleed out and die. And so what that represents is when you access more of your vampire power, you get a more physical change towards a more demonic look. And there was one time Angel went to some other dimension called Pylea. And when he decided to quote, they call it vamping out, when he vamped out uh, because of the properties of that dimension, he turned into a completely feral, like totally demonic looking evil thing. Didn't have any of his own control anymore and became much more like a quote real vampire, which apparently they're not intelligent at all. So the the hybrid is what makes them dangerous. The fact that they've got these human brains, but no human, but body. no human soul, and a monster driving them. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's my list. I apologize deeply to oh. our viewers who have uh, who um, their favorite thing didn't make the list. But we will talk about a few movies in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was just going to mention Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the feature film, which yes. predates the TV series. Indeed. Which I just found out recently that I actually kind of like that movie. Mm-hmm. I just found out recently that Joss Whedon hates that movie. Yeah. Hates it. He doesn't like it. Couldn't hate it more. Thinks mm. it, it's an abomination like a vampire. Even though it has Pee Wee in it? I don't think he, he would, thinks that. He would stick a stake through its heart. <laughs> the movie. I would like to hear that. I think he just doesn't like it. That's what I've heard. Hates it. Okay. I want a couple. talk about a couple um, books. Yeah. Literature of old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Specifically, Varney the Vampire. Okay. Varney? This is Varney literature. the Vampire. This is hey, literature. Varney, it's your old buddy Ernest. <laughs> 
This is 1845 to 1847. Wow. Also known as the Feast of Blood by James Malcolm Reimer. This was one of the original vampire penny dreadfuls. Yeah, and this is actually a contemporary of people like digging up bodies and staking them and like actually exhuming and doing autopsies and saying, my relative is a vampire, we must cut off its head. 220 chapters of riveting Victorian gothic horror. Uh, Varney was an enormous influence on later vampire literature, such as Dracula by Bram Stoker. Uh-huh. Many of today's standard vampire tropes originated with Varney. He's got fangs. He leaves two puncture wounds on the necks of victims. He has hypnotic powers. He has superhuman strength. Unlike later fictional vampires, he is able to go about in daylight and has no particular fear or loathing of crosses or garlic. His vampirism seems to be a fit that comes on him when his vital energy begins to run low. He is a, otherwise a regular person. All right. And he's the first example of a sympathetic vampire, one who hates his night job but is a slave to it. Got it. Right. And the entire text of Varney the Vampire is available free online. Oh, neat. Well, we'll put a well, link up to that on that acousticsodapodcast.com. Um, 1845 to 18 something or whatever. Uh, that would fall firmly into the realm of public domain. <coughs> and then uh, secondly, Carmilla. Has anyone heard of Carmilla? No. This is a gothic novella by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. Okay. First published in 1872, it tells the story of a young woman's susceptibility to the attentions of a female vampire named Carmilla. It predates Dracula by 25 years and has been adapted, and has been adapted many times for cinema in 1932's Vampire, uh, minus the lesbian sex, mm-hmm. 1964's Crypt of the Vampire with Christopher Lee, and the 2009 comedy Lesbian Vampire Killers. Okay. I've seen lesbian vampire killers, or tried to. Uh oh, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah. Because here's what it is: it's not about a bunch of lesbians who kill vampires. It's about a bunch of people who kill lesbian vampires, which is really depressing. Oh, <laughs> you think the world would be better For off with people. more lesbian vampires? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Vampires are pretty vampiric. I'm shaking in my boots I'm scared I'm frightened to the roots My knees are knock, knocking so nervously I never thought your loving would do this to me Look here I tremble with such fright You'd better hold me tight I never shook, shook this way before So kiss me, kiss me, baby Make me shake some more You whisper so soft and I grow fearful Each time you give my heart a tender I go around in circles like a weather vane, and then you send me like a jet propulsion plane. I'm scared. I show it in each side. I'm scared. I'll bet you one. 
wonder why my knees are not knocking so nervously. I'm scared to death that someday you'll stop loving me. Let's get to Twilight out of the way because I feel some rage coming on. Okay, so rather than being viewed as supernatural beings in Twilight, the vampires are kind of, they're more of an evolutionary anomaly race. Like they're, they're infected by this vampire venom. And it goes through their whole body and changes them into kind of a rock. They become made out of like rock or crystal, which is why when they're in sunlight, they sparkle. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's terrible. So their powers are, every single one of them is gorgeous. And like, this is actually spelled out. You look at them, like you look at Bella and ends up getting changed. And you look mm-hmm. at the before and the after, and she just becomes like a rock star. Like her hair is always perfect. She's always got perfect makeup. Her eyebrows are perfectly plucked, right? Mm-hmm. She's all, the wind is always perfectly blowing in her hair because she's a vampire and the world is for her. Uh, they don't have fangs, mm-hmm. but their teeth are razor sharp. And razor. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. And they don't give a crap about sunlight, garlic, holy water, silver, any kind of stake or cross. They can enter homes without uh, requiring permission. Uh, All kinds of human weapons bounce off of them, doing absolutely no damage. And the only way to kill a vampire is to dismember their body and then burn the remains before it can reconstruct itself. Right, okay. They are basically the the writer's version of Mary Sue super characters. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing stops them except other vampires. Because even if you're a human and you set one on fire... They can run so fast that they would just put out the fire. Right. So you have to be a vampire and hold them down and tear them apart and then set them on fire. And right. then they'll die. And why haven't these vampires taken over the world? That's a, I don't because the writer's terrible. Oh, I see. That's why. Yeah. It makes no sense. Well, the whole thing was constructed as an allegory for uh, uh, young people to save themselves for marriage. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of abstinence talk. Yeah, a lot of abstinence talk. Yeah. And this, and the, what's his name? The guy. The, the hero? Robert Pattinson. That guy right there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be like 80 years old and he's hitting on this uh, 16-year-old high school girl or something that, like that? That's a kind of a common thing. It happens in uh, Buffy and Angel as well. Oh, okay. although Although Angel sees her when she's quite young and he's like, yeah, I better wait until she's older. I know we've talked about it before in some other episode, but I can't remember which. But I just want to bring up again the fact that Near Dark is uh, pretty much near perfect. Oh, I rewatched it. Vampire, uh, you know, genre i wouldn't say it's near perfect yeah i like it it's about as good as a vampire movie gets i love that movie uh, it was made one year after aliens with three of the cast members oh well because Catherine oh, yeah. bigelow who it's her directorial debut i believe was married to james cameron at the time I think she was dating they were dating at the time or well, they did end up married yes they definitely mm-hmm. uh, i think it needed a sex scene I think it was missing a sex scene. That's not something I usually say about most movies that just throw in a sex scene for no reason. Mm-hmm. But I think it is needed a sex scene hmm. because the whole premise uh, is this guy gets bitten by a girl who is in this kind of like quote unquote family of vampires. Right. Yeah. Um, and 
he kind of gets he doesn't want to be a vampire at first, but he falls in love with her or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I feel they never even with the blood and everything. I feel they don't like consummate the whole reason he wanted to be with her. Right. Well, isn't there? Uh, it's been a while since I watched it, but like when he picks her up and they're driving around in the in the in the truck. Yeah. I mean, they there's a time cut in there. Couldn't they have had sex in there? No. No, I don't think so. No, because we do the whole thing where she like looks still... around, she looks out and sees the sun coming up, and she's like starts to get panicked. Yeah, but she's even though even then she's like resisting being kissed and stuff like that. Right, guess... like he's tr- he's trying to get in with her. Right, and she's rebuking all of his advances because mm. she just wants to bite him. I guess at the beginning, you know, the only thing more uh, sexy than uh, getting some, it's not getting not some. getting some. <laughs> nah, nah. I've I've had both. Yeah. I thought a couple things were interesting. Uh, the vampire couldn't eat normal food. He tried to eat a candy bar, and this was just after he had turned. And oh, he was that's just right. like, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cool. Uh-huh. Uh, I like the word that the word vampire was never used in the entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, I actually listened to some. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts that talk about Near Dark. Yeah, and I listened to a few of them, and mm-hmm. some of them had interviews with Lance Henriksen. Oh, crazy Lance Henriksen! And he said that bar? Lance? Uh, at least some of the actors petitioned for a prequel. Well, of course. Which would tell the stories of the family, which yeah. were pretty much the stars of the show. Oh, yeah. The vampires are like, the stars of the show. It's not like the, the kid, the two kids. No, Adrian Pazdar, who plays the uh, the male love interest, um, who is also featured in Heroes as the congressman, uh, he, he is not the star of the show. Bill Paxton is more the star of the show yeah. than he is. Yeah. Uh, so yes, you're you're 100 percent correct, but that's why I like it so much. <laughs> sure, sure. The vampires are more interesting than regular people. That's why I like Interview with a Vampire, and you know, I really like the scene where they're in the hotel and they're the hotel is getting shot out by the cops, and, and the it's rays not the, of sunlight. It's not the bullets no, that they're afraid they of. Couldn't it's care the holes less. in the wall that the bullets are making during the daytime, and these beams of light that are basically like lasers to them, right? yeah, and is burning them as they go through. I thought that was oh, yeah. really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. It has lots of good scenes. Um, as a movie, I'd say it was it was good, but not great. Uh, they, well, the scene when they walk into the bar and decide that they're going to kill everybody inside yeah, and that feed is on them. easily the best scene yeah. in the movie. It's it's easily one of the best scenes in all vampire movie history. I agree yeah. with that. And yeah. here's the good thing. The entire scene is on YouTube, so I'll embed it in the post for this. <laughs> there you go. We watched Martin. We did. From 1976. This is George Romero writing and directing. A young man who believes himself to be an 80-year-old vampire goes to live with his elderly and hostile relative who I think they say is his cousin. cousin? Yes. But I've also read it as his granduncle. Uh, Well, they they quite explicitly say cousin more than once in the course of the movie. But his daughter is also his cousin? Is that how relationships work? Uh, Whose daughter? The grandpappies. The old man's Colonel Sanders. That's not his. That's her. His granddaughter. That's his granddaughter. That's correct. But didn't didn't he didn't Martin also say she was his cousin? Yeah. Okay. Because your cousin's granddaughter would be your cousin. All right. Sure. They go to live together in a small Pennsylvania town. Basically, Colonel Sanders brings him in. Yep. To his home. Well, he, he he's he's forced to take him in because he feels it's his familial duty. Right. To keep keep this dangerous vampire under wraps because he believes he's a vampire he believes, old man believes that martin is a vampire that's correct and he keeps yelling nosferatu at him all the time <laughs> nosferatu <laughs> yes yes as if i don't know nobody claimed that george romero was good at writing dialogue he's great at premises great at ideas 
But the dialogue is a little bit lacking. But wow. Martin is an interesting character. It start the movie really starts out with him. Uh, he carries a syringe around that's full of narcotics. Yeah, and he tries to get women alone. The first scene is him on the train to yep. this town, injecting this woman, injecting a woman, basically and then, raping her, or well, very least sexually assaulting her. He not he didn't actually. Well, you know, I mean, he got her naked. Yeah, he takes uh, all her clothes off. Takes all her clothes he off. Takes all his clothes off. She's doped up. That's right. And he uh, slices her wrists open and drinks all of her he, blood. Well, he wiggles around with her for a while. Right. Which, uh, that's sexual assault. There's no question about whether or not that's sexual assault. Yes. And then uh, I'm not sure if she lives or dies. Oh, she he she dies. Yeah, she dies. He, remember, he goes into the bathroom and then puts the bloody blade on the edge of the uh, on the edge of the sink right. and spreads out a bunch of sleeping pills to, makes it look like, to make it look like an to make overdose. it look like an overdose right. and a suicide. The part I liked about the movie is that he was like, uh, he's like, there is no magic. Martin is always, there's no magic. Yeah, he's, Martin, that's his familiar refrain. He says that multiple times. Yeah, because Colonel Sanders is all like, I'm going to try and save you. Oh, and he's always throwing crosses in his face and yeah. hanging garlic on his door so he can't escape and go hunting for humans. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, uh, he gets the priest to come over and read, uh, you know, an exorcism thing in his face. And, you know, so it's. Uh, and and every time he kind of just laughs it off or just says it's no magic. And, yeah, yeah. And my favorite scene is when he dresses up like Dracula. Yeah, like costume costume makeup and, and puts in plastic fangs and then goes and try and terrorizes Colonel Sanders, <laughs> his elderly, yeah. who then like thinks it's real and he's like, I knew, I knew you were a vampire, and then he spits his teeth out and tells me he's an idiot. And it's also the weak part of the movie, but was also strong in a way. Was yeah. he would always call into the radio station. Yes. And talk to the radio DJ on live radio and about tell him, himself and tell him what's going on. And tell him wh- about his hunger yeah. and why he has to do this. And, and he names people by name, but yeah. the, and there's a, apparently there's these deaths happening in town, but the police never... The only time you see the police in the movie is kind of by happenstance. Well, but the thing is, they make... They take great lengths to point out that he makes all these things look like accidents. Right. That that's his M.O. His right. M.O. is to kill somebody and make it look like an accident, right? And so, you know, there's no reason for the police to investigate a suicide or, a you know, an accidental death or all the rest of this stuff. And, uh, and this movie I thought was uh, decent. Right. But I loved the ending. And I'm not going to give it away. No. Because it is so spectacular. Uh, that that it it elevated the entire film from decent to awesome in my books. <laughs> so if you haven't seen Martin, yeah, I would I recommend it. I recommend it. It's uh, you know it's not long. It's the you know the classic hour and a half. And uh, if you're a fan of Romero, uh, you'll probably enjoy this. Lost Boys. Uh, 1987, Lost Boys. This was, uh, to me, this, I remember this being one of the first vampire movies where vampires kind of started to become cool, mm-hmm. right? So they had Kiefer Sutherland playing the lead vampire, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman as, uh, well, Corey Feldman was the vampire hunter, one of the, uh, the frog brothers, uh, Edgar and Alan. Frog brothers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I liked about this movie is the first time I ever saw a vampire comedy. Because, I mean, mm. this is... The, the tongue is firmly planted yep. in the cheek. Any movie that has the line, death by stereo, you know that's a quality film. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it was pretty creepy in a few spots. Oh, like, yeah, no. Like, you know, he's when he's going out with them and all of a sudden they think they've fallen off the tracks and then yeah. they're flying around and you don't know what's going on. And the way that they torment the human before they try to turn him and things like that was really good. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, this is certainly a star-making tur- turn by Kiva Sutherland. Yeah, I mean, this is really what put his career on track. And uh, well, spoiler. I mean, come on. This is a thirty-something-year-old movie almost. Uh, at the end, his character David is impaled on a pair of antlers. But unlike the other vampires, he doesn't explode or dissolve, and that was actually intentional. They meant to do a sequel where he oh, does really? survive and sires another brood of vampires. But, uh, and so what they happened. call the sequel, The Not Lost Boy? Well, they did, uh, they did do a sequel many, many years <laughs> found later. Found Boys. They did do Oh, it. and then the, the, the combo pack could be the Lost and Found yeah. series. There you go. Uh, the sequel was called Lost Boys, The Tribe, but it was made uh, much, much later. It yes. was a Corey Feldman uh, vehicle. I actually have a story about that because they shot that movie in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and uh, I, we had just worked on the year before the movie, the, two, or the TV series, reality TV series, uh, The Two Corys. So we were actually uh, in communication with the Corys at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had hired both Corey Feldman and Corey Haim to be in the movie. And Corey Haim came out and he was so whacked out on drugs that they had to fire him. And uh, they I find some new Corey. No, no, no. <laughs> they just like wrote him out, basically. I, I think he has like a cameo. Yes. It, it was going to be a major part. Right. And it turned into a cameo because... He couldn't remember his lines. He could. They couldn't get him out of his trailer. The whole nine yards. And then he he went back down to L.A. and died just a few months later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. Corey Feldman's an asshole too. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. I had watched the remake of Let the Right One In, which is the American one called Let Me In with mm-hmm. uh, Chloe Moretz. Chloe uh, Moretz. Moretz, who is. I've- she was very good in it. I felt it was a good movie. But as research for this, I actually watched the original Swedish film from 2008, Let the Right One In. Uh, it's and it's way better. And, oh, yeah. And I like Let Me In. I think Let Me In is a fine little movie. Yeah. But Let the Right One In has just a much creepier feel to it. Like it's, And ironically, it's the same director. Yeah. So I don't know why it translates so much better in his original film, but it is... Really spectacular. That is maybe my favorite vampire movie. Part of it, <gasps> I, I get the feeling part of it is just the color palette. Like it's a non-Hollywood color palette. Like Let, Let Me In has all that darkness and mm-hmm. oranges and blues and that let's set this up the way that Hollywood likes kind of shot. Yeah. Whereas Let the Right One In is very pale and wintry and, and washed and out. Washed out and yeah, it kind of feels like a Bergman movie with vampires in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was I was really impressed by just the the pacing. Never made you feel, come on, let's get to it. Yeah. But there was still not a ton happening. It was uh, and some really good performances by some young actors. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's not an action movie. It's no. just this creepy, you know, plotting and the uh one of the the, the Next to final sequence in the whole film is mm-hmm. one of the best single shots I've ever seen on screen. Is that the swimming pool? The swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. That there's a, there's a shot that is really complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there were a lot of moving parts to it. And again, I don't want to spoil it because I encourage yeah. everybody who's listening to run out and watch this movie. Because it is, it's spectacular. Yeah. If you like vampire movies at all, you will love this film. It's it's going to be subtitled. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a dub version, but skip Just it. Watch it. It's, subtitled. Yeah, watch it subtitled. There's it's, not a lot of dialogue. No, it's, it's true. It's not a dialogue-heavy movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, really, really good. And I would say watch it and then give uh, Let Me In a chance. I, I think Chloe Moretz is a great little actress and yeah. does And I agree with you. Work. If I had never seen the original, if mm. I would just seen the remake, I'd be like, oh, that's a good movie. Yeah. Um, but because I saw the original before I saw the remake, I knew how superior the original was. I, I saw them in reverse, it, yeah. and I agree with you. I think the original is the better. So there you go, people.
but definitely a two big thumbs up. Yeah, for sure. Do you did anyone else have? Maybe it's just me, mm-hmm. but when the the little blonde haired white boy, yeah, mm-hmm. was it hard to watch him because of his lip thing? Oh, the way no. he talked because he was like so awkward. And yeah, I, yeah. No, I I thought that was that that was part of the character. That's what do, sold you think me that, on him. Didn't they cast him because oh, of that? Absolutely, because he was oh, so yeah. like bullyable. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. He was. I mean, he was so skinny yeah. and had a little bit of that bass player hunch going on. Yeah. Well, and he's just <laughs> he's just <laughs> so awkward, like just yeah. so awkward. I feel comfortable saying this because now he's a big star uh, and he's gonna have a great life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like eighteen now. Yeah, you know. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that will. We'll be back when the week is new, and we'll have more gross facts for you, and you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while struggling in a crocodile death roll. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I have a code, everybody. I have a code. I've talked like this to the entire episode. You know what? It'll always be I, having like another character. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I would like to. I would like to hear that happen. Can we have that happen for one whole segment? Let's do one segment with you with a cold. I think so. Despite being called the Age of Enlightenment, during which most folkloric folkloric that's when you have uh, what, myths for, about forks. No, folklore. Or, or, or you're you're just into eating. You're for caloric. For caloric. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Folklore being like the history of the spork. There's <laughs> yes. a lot of folklore well, in the in well, how sporks came to be. Uh-huh. Folklore is the source of a great amount of culinary magical power. Mm-hmm. So I'll start that section again. Uh-huh.